Welcome to the Love Reaching Community's Sermon of the Week. For more information pertaining to the life of the church, please visit our website at lrcchurch.co.za. Thank you, thanks. Obrigado, Mr. Comenares. Bom dia! Tudo bem? Yeah, while we're going on those different languages, let me just hop along on there as well. It's so good to see you all this morning. You know, coming and standing in front of you and having to preach after a time of worship like that is, yo. I was, I, was, I was sitting behind the drums saying, God, where do I go with this preach? It's like, you seem like you've been covering everything that I want to share this morning. It was covered in worship and it was covered in the words that came across. But um, this morning I'm going to try and, and um, speak to you what God has laid on my heart and what I feel God is doing in our community. So before we get into the word, can I open in prayer? Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that we had such a great time uh, being in your presence. We still, Father, we still hear. We still want to hear from you. We're still expectant for what you want this morning. Thank you that your Holy Spirit is here. Thank you that lives have been changed this morning. Thank you, Lord, that we can... We can step out this place knowing that we have been set free by the blood of the Lamb. I pray, Lord Jesus, as I bring some thoughts through this morning, Lord, that I would be really hidden behind the cross of Jesus. I pray that you would help me, that you would strengthen me, and that you would be with me. I ask you this in your precious name. Amen. Okay, so this morning, I want to ask you a question. And... Don't you find that every time somebody comes up and, and preaches or says something, they say, I want to ask you a question. And then what do you do? You answer the question. But you don't, you don't answer the question by yourself. You listen to what your neighbor is saying and you answer what he's saying. So this morning, I want to do this a little bit differently. I want to use technology to help us answer this question. So, who has a mobile phone with them? Who's got their cell phone? This is the only time I'm going to ask you to take out your cell phone. And please... Don't update your Facebook profile, please. Take out, your, take out your cell phones. Who's got their cell phones? Take it out. Now, this, the next question is a very important question. Who's got data? Because <laughs> we all know that data must fall. Data is expensive. So who's got data? Okay, cool. We've got quite a number of people that have data. So I want you to do me a favor. I want you, and we're going to put it up on the, on the screen there, I want you to go to www.menti.com, M-E-N-T-I.com. Let's go. I don't see you. I don't see people on their phones. www.menti.com. Then after you've gone there, who's, who's, who's already arrived? Okay, a number of people. There's going to be a code that they're going to ask you to put in. Okay, there's the code over there. And then there's going to be a question. So the code is 42. 0875. Okay. Have you put in the code? Am I going too fast? I, I can see the non-millennial struggling a little bit. It's fine. We'll, we'll catch up. Okay. And there's a question that you can answer. The question is... What's the question? Melody. <laughs> Okay, and on the screen, you're going to see the answers start pop populating. <laughs> I 
There we go. There we go. We have 24 people that have already... There we go. <laughs> I didn't see that one coming. <laughs> so what you will find up there is what they call a word cloud. So the more people answer, the more the prominent things come across. So pride and arrogance, as you can see. We've got 42 people. I'm impressed. I thought we probably have like 20, 25 people that responded. Still going. Wow, that's awesome. So thank you for participating. I, I really enjoyed that. And as you can see on the screen, the opposite, the, the big ones are pride and arrogance. Wow, I think people are still continuing. Okay. I'm going to ask... My, my IT technician at the, at the back to, to remove that. So, so as you can see, and I was hoping for, as, as I was prepping this, I was hoping that, that pride would be the one that, that is very prominent. So what is pride? Um, the dictionary describes pride as a feeling of deep pleasure or satisfaction derived from one's own achievements. There's a, there's a famous um, theologian um, I, I really like what he said about um, and how he defined pride. He said, pride is self-exhorting, and I think we have it on the screen, self-exhorting, self-creating, self-serving, and self-building. So what, you, what is the common, denator, common denominator in self? It's all about self. It's all about us. And oftentimes, that is exactly what pride is about. But um, I found a very interesting quote by Muhammad Ali, and I think it really, it really encapsulates what, what I think pride is about. So I want to put up that quote. It's hard to be humble when you're as great as I am. <laughs> Don't you just see Muhammad Ali there, and standing there with his gloves saying, it's hard to be humble when you're as great as I am. But what is the biblical perspective on pride? James writes in James 4 verse 6, he says that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And when we look at this, this, this scripture, and um, the, what is the Greek meaning of the word opposed? I thought this was quite fascinating. The Greek means antitasio. And I had to go on to Google with that little speech bubble so that I could hear it over and over again. And I think I still got it wrong. But the Greek meaning of oppose is antitasio. And what does that mean? That means it means to rage against. So if we see in this in the scripture, God is actually raging against people who are proud. Okay? In 1 Peter 5 verse 5, we find exactly the same. It says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And again, the Greek meaning of that word oppose is raging against. You see, friends, every single morning we get out of bed and we have a choice. We have a choice. And our choice this every single morning is to do this. Is to take, can you see this torch? I can see all of you now. Is to take the light of the torch and point it to that. Every single morning we need to be pointing to the cross of Jesus. And it was so beautiful this morning how the name of Jesus was sung, was spoken, 
over this church. Every morning we have a choice. We can either do that and point to the cross of Jesus. And what happens when you do that? The tension is no longer on me. The tension becomes on Jesus. And how easy it is for us, and, and I include myself in this thing, for us to think it's all about us. It's me. It's about how well I can talk. It's about how great I am. It's about how good I am at what I, at what I do. We always seem to go around us, 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 us. But I feel Jesus is challenging us to say it is not about us, but it is about Him. It's about His sacrifice on the cross so that we might have life. And you know, as I was, as I was preparing for this morning, you know, we, 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 we do this. We point it to ourselves and we think it is about us, about how well we, how well we do. But it's not only about the arrogant person. And I was reminded recently of this. It's not only about those people with big egos and those that are arrogant. It's oftentimes those that say, well, I'm not great. I need prayer. Help me, please. Please help me. Me, 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 me. It's all about me. But I feel Jesus wants to remind us that it's not about me. It is about Him. It's about His sacrifice. And that's essentially what pride is about. It's elevating ourselves above what God wants to do. And as we've been going through this season and looking at Matthew 28, verse 19, where Jesus says, Go into the nations. Go! We have to turn our attention away from it being us to being Him. You see, friends, when we look at the Bible and we look at, at, at the, the biblical perspective of pride, we see that Satan in, 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 in Isaiah 14, verse 14, he was prideful. And what happened to him? We can read it in Isaiah 14, verse 14. It says, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. But we see what happened to him when he wanted to make himself higher than God. In Proverbs, there is verse upon verse that speaks about pride. I just want to read two of them for you. In Proverbs 16, verse 18, it says, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. In Proverbs 11, verse 12, it says, When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with the humble is wisdom. You see, friends, when we are pointing all the time to Jesus, we are doing what He commanded us to do. We're leading people to Him. We're drawing people closer to Him and not to us. I want you to turn with me to the book of Luke, chapter 14. Luke, chapter 14. Light. <laughs> okay, Luke chapter 14. And I'm going to read from verse 1. One Sabbath, when he, that's Jesus, went to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees, they were watching him carefully. And behold, there was a man before him who had dropsy. And dropsy is a, the kind of disease, the swelling of the tissue, that causes a lot of discomfort. And Jesus responded to the, to the lawyers 
and the Pharisees saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. Then they took him and healed him. Then he took him and healed him. And he sent him away. And he said to them, Which of you, having a son or an ox that has fallen into a well on the Sabbath day, will not immediately pull him up? And they could not reply to these things. See, Jesus makes a very important statement, and he asks a very important question here. He says, is it lawful for me to heal on the Sabbath? And what do the Pharisees do? It's not a mentee question. What do they do? They keep quiet. They don't say a word. And why do you think they kept quiet and didn't say anything? Because they knew. You see, the Pharisees at, at that time, they hated Jesus. Why did they hate Jesus? Because he drew attention to himself. Jesus drew attention to himself. And what did the Pharisees want? They wanted attention on themselves. So, they, so there was tension. There was a clash always. And we see it in, in all the Gospels that there's a clash always between the Pharisees and Jesus. So the Pharisees, <laughs> as, I was, as I was preparing for, uh, for this morning, it's, it's, it's fascinating that, that God gives the Ten Commandments, right? But the Pharisees felt that they needed to add to it. They needed to add certain, certain other things to it. And we see the fourth commandment, which is, you shall keep the Sabbath day holy. The Pharisees go ahead and add 39 other regulations to almost bolster the, 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 the commandment that God gave us. And, and these, these regulations and the other things that they've added to the law just made it so much onerous for people to actually stick. They did. The Pharisees, they felt like, we stick to the letter of the law. But it became so onerous for people to actually fulfill all these laws. It even, gave, it even goes down to the point where it, it tells them how many steps they're allowed to take on the Sabbath day. <laughs> and I thought, wow, this, you know, and aren't we so grateful for the cross of Jesus? That when Jesus came, he came to fulfill the law. Even though we have the law, which is a good thing, he came to fulfill it and, and to make it less onerous. But here's the thing. You know, we look at the Pharisees and we say, ah, but I'm not like that. I'm not like that. Okay. I'm not like that. But, but can I suggest that sometimes we are. Sometimes we want things done our own way. Sometimes we look at the scripture of God and we read it and we go, ah, actually, this is, this is a bit maybe too onerous for me. I, I can't deal with this. I look at in, in Matthew chapter 5 verse 27, it says, but if I say to anyone who looks at the woman in lustful intent, they've already committed adultery in their heart. And we go, ah, I don't like that. This is a quick sneak peek, man. Or, you know? This is a quick sneak peek. Nothing. Nothing. There's nothing. There's no, there's no harm there. But this is what the Bible says. And when we go against what the Bible says, we are being frightened because we're putting our own interests, our own intent above the Word of God. And in the season where God is calling us to go, I feel God wants to challenge us that we need to put that stuff aside. That we need to start being obedient. That we need to start walking in obedience. And not only in obedience, but in humble obedience to what God wants us to do. I see there's lots of eyes and there's a lot of... This is not meant to be a heavy. This is actually a celebration. This is actually a good thing that God is doing in us. He wants to change us. He wants to make us more like Him. So then we go out. We don't have these, these things bothering us. We don't have these things where, oh, you know, Lord, you know, I'm, I can't talk. I'm, this is my personality. 
you know, I'm an introvert. I can't do this. That is pointing the spotlight on us. But God is calling us to go out and to make a difference to this community. God has given us the community where you stay, where you live. God has given you that community. And He wants you to make a difference. And He wants you to be impactful in what you do in that community. You know, it's time for us, and, 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 and as I speak to you, I'm speaking primarily to myself. It's time for us to step back and say, God, forgive me. Help me to go out there knowing that you are with me, that you are for me. Forgive me for my prideful ways. Okay? Amen. Thank you for that, amen. <laughs> so, so we're going to move on and we're going to look at humble obedience. Um, as I've, I've really been into the book of Luke. I've, I've been loving the book of Luke. We, we, were, we were actually doing a theology, uh, the book of Acts. You see that Luke writes the book of Acts. Right? And I just, I've just been, I love his style. I was saying, I love the style. I love, I love how he brings across the word of God in the book of Luke. So I want to I I ex- use three illustrations that, that looks at humble obedience. And for me, um, humble obedience comes in the way Jesus called his disciples. So if you go with me to the book of Luke, I am your father. <laughs> Luke chapter, chapter 5. And in Luke chapter 5, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to sketch the context for you here. We have Simon Peter, who's been fishing all day. He's fishing, he's looking for fish, and he catches nothing. So him and his buddies, what they do is they, they throw their boats back, and they start washing their nets to try and get all the salt and everything out of their nets. So they wash their nets, and Jesus comes, stands on the boat, and starts speaking to the people. And Jesus goes to Simon Peter, and he says, um, Hey, just cast your net one, one more time. And we pick up in verse... And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out, put out into the deep and let your net for a catch. Then Simon answered, Master, we have toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. How beautiful is that? I've been, Lord Jesus, I have been praying for my husband for years. Father, I've been contending for my family for years. We've been trying this thing for years, Lord. But at your word, I will do it again. How beautiful is that? That even though we might have tried something, might have done something, God is saying, just listen to my word. Be obedient to what I'm calling you to do. Beautiful. But what does Peter do? Peter does, this, Peter does what, what many of us do. He, the, 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 that pride starts rearing its ugly head. Starts going... But God, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. I can't do this. And, I've, and I, I'm almost still God going, goes, or Jesus goes, my boy, come on. Come on. Just relax. Don't worry. You've got this. I'm going to make you a fisher of me. Hey? Beautiful. That even though Peter was, he, he felt like he couldn't do this. He felt like, I'm not worthy enough to do this. Jesus comes and says, I'm going to make you. The next story we find also in Luke chapter 5, verse 27, when, when Jesus calls Levi. And who was Levi? He was a tax collector. And uh, for those that were here a couple of, about a month ago when we were talking about tax collectors and, and Zacchaeus, we know that they weren't very popular people. And that's what Jesus said. He called, you see, everyone that is sitting here, irrespective 
of what you've done or where you've been. God is calling you. God is calling you. There is a mandate that God is placing on all of us. And we look at, at Levi's response, and I love Levi's response. Matthew 5, verse 25, verse 27. And it says, After this he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting in the tax booth. And he said to him, Follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. Simple, easy. Jesus comes and says, follow me. And he says, who? Leaving everything, I'm going with you. And, and I, as I was looking at this word, I was like, Lord, but like, if I say to him, Kosi, Kosi, I want you to leave your job at the bank. I want you to leave your house. I want you to leave your possessions. Maybe just bring your car so that we can drive around and go and fish for people. But I want you to leave everything. And I want you just to, to follow. Come with me. Let's go. How easy do you think that would be? Not an easy thing, guys. It's not an easy thing. And you know what? It wasn't an easy thing for Jesus. For him to lay down. And, and this morning, Tabs even spoke about it. Where, where Jesus prayed and said, Lord, if you can take this, this father, if you can remove this stuff from me, take it away. It is not an easy thing. But there is reward in being obedient. There is a reward for us to be obedient. And, and as, I was, as I was looking at this, like I said, I questioned it. I questioned, like, Lord, it's not easy. It's difficult for us to do this. And, and God led me to uh, John 6, 35, where Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall not hunger. And, and again in Luke, verse 22, verse 35, Jesus asked the disciples, when I sent you out with no money bag, with no knapsack or sandals, did you lack anything? And what do you think the disciples responded to? No, we didn't lack anything. Because we are the bread of life. And you know this, we have to be real sometimes. We have to be real. That in order for us to go and for, in order for us to be obedient and do what God wants us to do, the first requirement that we saw this morning is that we have lives that are submitted to God. We have lives that reflect Jesus. That's the first thing. And the other thing is to hear clearly what God wants for you. Because what God wants for you and what God wants for me is completely different. But we need to be at His ear. We need to be at His feet saying, Father, what is it that you want for me? And then the third illustration I want to give regarding humble obedience is the story of Jesus. If we look at Luke chapter 2, and I'll be reading a portion of that, but before I read in Luke chapter 2, let me give you a bit of context. Jesus is with his parents, and they're in Jerusalem, and they're celebrating the Passover, right? So they're there, they're celebrating the Passover, and his parents might have thought, oh, well, he's 12, let's leave him, let him play around, let him do what he needs to do. And they trek back to Nazareth, and as they... As they're tricking back and as they're going back, a day afterwards, they're like, it's Jesus. Like, I like, I said to myself, after a day only, yo. So some of us, after five minutes, we're like, hey, where's my son? I can't see him. But after a day, they were like, where's Jesus? And they start panicking and they go back. And they start looking for him. And after three days, they find him. And, 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 and I mean, three days of looking. And we see, I mean, I think, I think Mary must have been panicky. She was being like, where is my son? Where is my boy? I can't find him. So turn with me to Luke chapter 2, and we're going to pick up from verse 49. 
And he said to them, Why were you looking for me? You do not know that I must be in my father's house. And, that they, and they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. But what really captured my heart is verse 52. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. When he became submissive, when he submitted to his parents, when he submitted, he began to increase in favor, in stature, with God and with man. And I felt that what, that's exactly what God wants from us in this season. As we begin to humbly submit to his will, we will begin to grow in stature, in favor, with God and in man. And I want to encourage all of us this morning, let's be excited about that. Let's be excited that when we go out, we go out not in ourselves, but we go out in the stature, knowing that Jesus is with us. We go with favor as we speak His word and as we influence those around us. Amen. Amen. So this morning, the question I have and what I would like to share with all of us this morning is, how do we put on this Christ-like humility? So I've got a couple of points that I want to I want to discuss with you, and you might see a trend as we go through this. But there's six points that I want to discuss in terms of how we can grow in Christ-like humility as we go out into our neighborhoods, into our communities, and as we step in what God wants for us. So the first one you'll see on the board is identify your heart. Up there. The most important thing that we need to do when it comes to identifying our heart motive is to understand that it is not about ourselves. It is not about me, me, me. It is about us doing that. It's about us reflecting Jesus to the people around us. Us reflecting what He has done on that cross for each and every one of us sitting here. And how, how amazing it is that if we have something good don't we want to share that with somebody? Don't we want to say, hey, this is what I have. I'd like to share that with you. I would like to share what Jesus has done in my life. And, and I, I want to encourage us this morning. Test your heart motive. Know that it's not about you. It's never about you, but it is about God. You know, sometime, some, some years ago, I started, a, I, started, I started working at Tassel and we were in Rosebank. So I, when I joined the company... We were in um, close, to, close to Ravonia. And then we moved to Rosebank. And we were sitting on the eighth floor. And, and I got the nice little corner, nice little corner office. So um, one day I took, I looked at this view and I was like, shoot. So I took a picture of it, posted it on Facebook. Wow, this is, this is my view. And I felt God challenged me. He says, why, what is your motive behind is your motive to show people that you have a nice little view in a little corner office? And yes, it was. That was my motive. It was my motive. But what did my motive need to be? What was the, the, the motive that we needed to have? The motive, and, and, and God so clearly highlighted this, wherever you are in your workplace, your motive is to reflect Jesus. 
Your motive is to look at people that are around you, that are hurting, that I need. Your motive is wherever you go to be on the lookout. Who can I, who can I help? Who can I pray for? Who can I bless? Who can I reflect Jesus to? That is what our heart's motive is. That is what it needs to be for. And I feel God wants to challenge us this morning. He wants to challenge us. What is your heart motive? What is your heart motive? Philippians 2, verse 3 to 4. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking at your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. The next point, unconditional love for the lost. You see, friends, nothing will challenge us more than having people that look different to us, having people that speak different to us, having people that might spell different to us, having people that think different to us, and having to love them. Nothing challenges us more. But in the season that we're going into, we need to start putting on eyes of Jesus and looking at people through his eyes. Knowing that for God so loved the world that he, he loved the world that he gave his son. Whoever believes in him might have that internal life. That love, that unconditional love is what we need to have when we go out to the community. You know, we went as a home group to, to an old age home and we went to share the love of Jesus with some of those old and it is difficult, guys. The majority of the people there were very old, first of all, <laughs> as you can imagine. But it was, it was difficult. It's difficult. But we need to love. We, we came together as, as home groups, and, and Johannes challenged us as home groups to go out and make an impact, to serve, to serve those around us, to serve those that are homeless, to serve those that are destitute, to serve those that I need, to serve those that are sick. You know, I, 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 I was sitting next to this gentleman at the old age home. His name was Archie. And you know, when you, when you sit with somebody and God just births a compassion in you, and the poor man, he was blind, he couldn't see. And he was, he was sitting and he was struggling to eat the cake. Couldn't eat the cake. And I was like, no, Lord, I'm praying for this man. This man's eyes are opening. I was like, God just birthed this desire inside of me. I was like, and I prayed for him, and nothing happened. And I started putting my hands in front of his face, and I was like, can you see? Can you see? He says, yeah, I can see a little bit. I can see. But that is what God begins to do. When we start showing love, and when we start showing compassion to those, he starts birthing something inside of us that we can't let go until we share the love of God, until we pray for something, until we do something for people. Hey, Sure. Thank you, Jesus. My next point, meekness is not weakness. We have a little ant over there. <laughs> and it's so important, friends, that being submissive and humble does not mean in any way, shape, or fashion that we bow down and accept everything that everybody tells us. We bow down and accept what Jesus asks us to do. It's important that we are listening. Like I said at the beginning, what is it that we feel Jesus is calling us to do? You see, Paul was very clear when he said in 1 Corinthians 7, verse 23, you were bought at the price, do not become slaves of man. We are not slaves to man. 
it is important to go in there with a, a gentle spirit. It is important. But we also know that as we go out there, we go out with zeal, we go out with passion. We go out knowing that God has called us to this thing. He's really called us to this thing. And, and um, <laughs> I'm, a very, I'm a very reserved type of guy. But I feel like, yo, I want to jump. I want to scream. I want to shout because Jesus is calling us to do this thing. And he's given us his ability and he's made us bold to go out there and speak and talk to those that are lost. Sure. My next point, which, is, which is, can often be a difficult one, is be teachable. Proverbs 9 verse 9 says, Give instructions to a wise man, and he will still be wise. Teach a righteous man, and will increase in learning. You know, what is a sign that we're not teachable? A sign that we're not teachable is that often we can't wait for somebody to finish talk. We can't wait for them to to finish their sentence, because we already, as they're talking, we're already saying, oh, I know this, I know this, I know this, I don't need to I know this. And what is that thing? That is pride. That is pride. God is calling us to sometimes keep our mouths, not only our mouths, our minds, because oftentimes we can keep our mouths closed, but in our minds we're thinking something different. It's like a kid. You say to a kid, I say to Nathan, Nathan, go clean his room. And he's Oh, and he cleans his room. But inside, he's thinking to himself, ah, why does this man want me to clean my room? Always clean my room. <laughs> but that is what we do. And I feel God, God is, is wanting us to be teachable, not in only keeping our mouths, but in how we think. In how we think and how we see things. My next fifth point is, whew, and it, it links nicely to being teachable is listen to others. Oh, yeah, it can be very difficult to listen. <laughs> but here, here's the thing, friends. We cannot make an impact. We cannot do what God has called us to when we are constantly talking. When we are constantly talking. We have to begin to listen to other people. I was thinking about this. You know, God is, is often gives us opportunities to minister by having simple conversations. So you can be having a conversation and talking about anything. Beekeeping. I'm a beekeeper. I do bees. Oh, one day I was stung by a bee and I went into shock. Oh, what happened next? Man, I tell you, I almost died. Oh, you almost died. Yeah, what happened? No, I, I went to the hospital and it was only by the grace of God that I'm still alive. Really? So tell me a little bit more. We're listening to people and we're finding an opportunity where we can find a gap and we can share the love of okay? And my last point, which I think is probably the most important point, is esteem others above yourself. Let's turn to Philippians. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, from verse 5, from verse 6, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count 
equality with God, a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Jesus humbled himself and became obedient. Jesus esteemed us more than him. He sacrificed for us. And friends, the reality of the cross needs to be traced every single day as we go out. The reality of what Jesus did on that cross. And, and it might sound like I'm, I'm harping on this thing, but I want to harp on this thing. Because it's important for us to understand that the perfect sacrifice of Jesus has given us freedom, has given us life. And what our responsibility is, is to be obedient when Jesus says, do this, do that. Go here, go there. And know that as we do that, He is with us. The Word says that He is always with us. He never leaves us. So this morning, if we can all just close our eyes, Precious Holy Spirit, we thank you for such an amazing morning, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that this morning chains were broken. Thank you, Lord, that this morning lives have been set free. Thank you that this morning, Lord, people will begin to worship you in a new way. People will begin to experience you in a new way. Lord, I pray for each and every one of us, Lord, where we have put pride above doing what you have told us to do. Where we have put pride above being obedient to where you called and what you told us to do. I ask, Lord, that you would forgive us, Lord. Forgive us, forgive us, Lord, forgive us. May we know that you are always with us. That your love is not only for us, but for our neighbors. For those people that are standing at the traffic light. For everyone, Lord. And as we go into this new season, Lord, may we, may we be obedient. May we, may we humble our, our own desire, Lord. Humble ourselves before you, God. And may we put you first, Lord. May we put your, your word and your call over our lives first, Lord. I know, Lord, for this new season, God has been speaking to people that are in this room about doing more for him. And it's been uncomfortable. And I know it's uncomfortable. I know it's hard. But Lord, may we obey. May we obey, Lord, because your word says, if we don't do it, the rocks will we'll call out and praise you, Father. The rocks will do it. <laughs> I don't want the rocks to do it, Lord. I want us, Lord. I want us to walk in the fullness of your plans for our lives, Lord. Humble us, forgive us. May we be victorious, Lord. May we go out there, Father, not with a, with a heaviness, but with such a joy knowing that we don't do this in ourselves, Father God, that we do it with you, God. And though we might get it wrong here and there, we will not stop, Father God. We will continue to at your word, at your word, Lord, we will continue and we will do it. I thank you for each person. I thank you for each heart. I thank you for people that are already, Father God, 
pursuing you, Lord, that are already going out there for you and just making a difference, Lord. I pray that they would be, do more, Lord, that they would, they would just increase in what they've already been doing for you, my Lord. Thank you for this time together, and thank you that you are good and that you love us. Thank you for victory that we have in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome to the Love Reaching Community's Sermon of the Week. For more information pertaining to the life of the church, please visit our website at lrcchurch.co.za.